privilege to be uh, the speaker this morning on behalf of Rick Bonfim Ministries, and thanks for joining. Uh, we're, we're expecting a blessing from the Lord this morning, every morning, and I'm thankful just to be a part of what God's doing in these days. Amen. Let's pray for just a moment. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for today. We thank you, Father, that you've called us to be your children. We thank you, Jesus for suffering on the cross for us, that you would give us new life. You'd give us your Holy Spirit. You'd forgive us our sins. So, Father, we pray you would speak to our hearts this day. You know what each one of us need. We pray you would minister your word to us, minister your life by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would receive all the praise and glory and honor for it in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, we're going to start out looking at Luke chapter 4 and then go over to the book of Judges and look at Gideon uh, because uh, things are happening in our world right now, aren't they? And you have to ask yourself, what's God trying to tell us? When the whole world shuts down, you have to ask, what's God doing? We understand there's medical issues, there's political issues. Uh, all kinds of things like that. But what's God's issue? What, what's he saying to us? Why is the world, ha- why are, are our faces covered with masks? I understand the medical motive, but what's the spiritual significance of that? So let's start out with Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. And Jesus comes out of the wilderness after being tempted by Satan, the devil. And uh, I encourage you, if you've sort of been one of those people like I used to be that says, I don't know whether there's really a devil or not, I would ask you to reconsider that. Look around this world, and there's every evidence in the world that there is a devil working in this world, contrary to God's will. And this is what the Bible says from cover to cover, what the New Testament says. And it says at verse 14 of Luke 4, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of of the spirit and news about him spread through all the surrounding district and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all glory to god and then at verse 16 and he came to nazareth where he had been brought up so this is his hometown and as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the sabbath and stood up to read and the book of the prophet isaiah was handed to him And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are are oppressed, and to proclaim Mm -hmm. the favorable year of the Lord, or the year of Jubilee, the year of liberty. Praise God. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal thyself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And I won't finish the rest of the passage, but uh, basically his own hometown rejected him and tried to kill him, tried to throw him off a cliff, but his hour hadn't come yet, and he passed out of their midst. You know, uh, Jesus can become so familiar to you. Uh, if you, We grew up in really a Christian culture, most of us who are from the United States, And Christianity became very, very familiar, and therefore it began, we became dull of hearing about what God really wants to do, and what he really wants to do in his spirit. And so God began really moving in our country a hundred years ago, but certainly fifty years ago, he began to pick up the pace, and he sent people to America, including Rick Bonfim. Uh, he sent Pastor Rick and others like him and folks from within the country to reacquaint the church with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had gotten left out along the way somehow and it just became, Christianity became a theology, a doctrine and just studying the book, studying the book's important but Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them is life but it's these that bear witness to me and you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The scriptures are living and active if we let the spirit move in our hearts. Uh, but familiar at familiarity can choke off the power of the word. But God, this is not what he wants. What he came to do is save the whole world. He came to set the captives free. He came to give sight to the blind, both physically and spiritually. He came to set free those who are oppressed. And that's what he's doing, friends. In this day, the gospel came to the poor to bring them out of the place of poverty, not so that you can drive a Bentley around, but that you would have a productive, full, fruit-bearing life. Some people are in positions where they make relatively a lot of money compared to the rest of us. Others make relatively less, but God has a place of blessing and productivity for anyone who will call in his name. It says in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that, that's the cross, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles, and we would receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. That's available to anyone who will call on the name of the Lord. What were the blessings of Abraham? Abraham lived to a ripe old age and was satisfied. And it says in the scripture, Abraham was blessed in every way. 
God has a blessed life for all of us. Now, the devil's out there, and so we will have hours of affliction, hours of darkness, but God's always working in it to bring us up, out, and over into his fullness. So let's turn back. This is his purpose. Do I see any oppression and bondage in America these days? Oh, yes, I see a, a lot of it. I see uh, people in bondage to fear. I've been there. It's so easy to get in bondage to fear. Uh, we uh, have whole neighborhoods oppressed by gangs uh, and live in fear. And some of that is visiting some of our neighborhoods in a way we thought we would never see in the United States. And I would tell you it's because of spiritual confusion, a spiritual turning away, a misunderstanding, because the devil always takes God's grace and goodness and mercy and twists it. And so the feminist movement, for example, actually found its source in Christianity. Christianity was the first, was the very first place that women got treated with mutual respect. And what does the devil do with that? He takes it and runs completely in the opposite direction and then creates a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of Jezebel uh, that he loses in the land and uh, and we get out of balance. God's word, there's tension in God's word and uh, God uh, has a place and a purpose for each one of us and his whole counsel is true. And so he wants us to be merciful to others but mercy makes no sense apart from God's truth so Jesus did say to the men who wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery he said to them he who is without sin throw the first stone and so the older men that had lived a good bit of life they were the first to drop their stones and all the accusers went away because their hearts were convicted that they too were sinners did Jesus mean by this that he didn't care anything about adultery and was in fact saying, hey, do whatever you want? No, no, no. He said to the woman, does no one accuse you? And she said, no one, Lord. And he said, I don't accuse you either. Go and don't sin anymore. Adultery is a devastating sin. And the law is holy and righteous and good. And a culture that gives itself over to fornication and immorality and adultery will suffer God's judgment. But in the light of God's truth and righteousness, his mercy shines bright. But a mercy that leaves out God's truth is a false mercy. It tramples on the cross. It dishonors the suffering of Christ because Jesus came because without him, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one and we're all worthy of judgment. But God doesn't want that. He wants us to receive Christ's sacrifice on our behalf receive the power of the blood to forgive and to cleanse, to receive the truth of his word and begin practicing his truth. Jesus said, uh, if you put his word into practice, if you do his word, then you'll truly be a disciple of mine. If you practice the truth and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's available to anyone, friends. Anyone that takes up God's truth and begins putting it into practice We'll find liberty. Christianity is liberty. Liberty from oppression. Liberty, liberty from fear. Liberty, liberty from poverty, lack, and want. Liberty from meaningless. It's a life of purpose. Purpose. What does this look like? Well, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. 
The whole Bible fits together. It's the whole counsel of God. You can't leave the old covenant out. The new covenant, Paul said in the new covenant, that the old covenant was written for us as examples for those upon whom the end of the ages has come. So in Judges chapter 6, it says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian. Seven years, the Midianites were people, descendants of Abraham themselves, but the Israelites had been promised the land under Joshua. They occupied the land. But what's being described here in the book of Judges is not Jewish nature. It's human nature. We all need to take that to heart. Uh, is it possible for Caucasians to be racist? Well, quite evidently, yes. Let me ask you, is it possible for black people, dark-skinned people to be racist? Absolutely. In fact, we all can be selfish, self-centered, care more about our own family and children than other people's children, even if they look like us. And then you start mixing in different interests, capabilities, likes, and dislikes. And that is where racism rises up. And everyone actually has a potentiality for racism in their hearts, in their flesh, their dwells, uh, and no, nothing good in every person. And you can look on every continent and find genocide among dark-skinned people against dark-skinned people, freckle-faced people against freckle-faced people, and so on, on every continent. So no one's immune to this. What's the solution? The solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of the living God written on our hearts. Because Jesus says, if you want to get free of racism, come into his kingdom. And there's no pure Greek, slave or free, uh, male or female, we're all one in Christ. But that's a choice you're going to have to make and decide, I'm not a white person, I'm not a black person, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat. Fundamentally, I'm with Christ. And so I'm at liberty. And I can let go of my family identifications. Jesus said you have to leave your father and your mother. That's our our clan identity, our racial identity. And we have to choose to come out and consider everyone my brother. I, I will tell you, it's grieved my heart. I've heard pastors uh, during this crisis refer to my brothers, and they didn't mean me because I had the wrong skin color. That breaks my heart, friends. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care who says it. We need to get back to the gospel, folks. If we're going to be able to deal with the situation at hand, we all need to come under the blood. We all need the Lord's mercy. And if we want his mercy, we're going to have to give his mercy. Uh, we, we need to be able to forget the past and move forward. Paul was a severe pers- persecutor of the church, but he was able to come free of that and leave a life not of condemnation, and guilt and shame, but a life where he brought the blessing of the Lord wherever he went. Is that only available to Paul? No, Romans 8, 1 belongs to all of us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. We're not responsible for our ancestors' sins. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. In church, he's calling us to rise up and tell the truth to people. When we hear those kind of things and talk about reparations and all this sort of thing, we need to stand. That's not the new covenant. That will divide us. That will destroy us. Jesus came that we would all have life. The greatest reparations I can bring to someone else is to bring the kingdom of God 
into their hearts, into their lives, to bring the healing of Christ into their minds, souls, and bodies. That, that's the great, you don't need any other reparations once you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and receive Christ's purpose for your life. Let's not let the devil get us off on a phony gospel, a false gospel that's trying to accomplish things that only bring division. There's only one gospel. So Judges chapter 6, then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It's it's the uh, sad truth about nations. They turn away from the Lord as our nation clearly, clearly has. We don't need to dwell on it. We all know the history. And so they were oppressed by the Midianites. One of the more humorous verses in all the Bible is Judges 6, uh, Judges 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. At that moment, if you read the whole chapter, uh, Gideon is threshing wheat in a barn instead of outside because of fear of the Midianites who were coming in and stealing the, the produce of the land. Uh, some valiant warrior. But I want you to see this. The Lord meant this. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. That was Gideon's calling. That was who he was purposed to be God, by God. That was God's predestined plan for Gideon. If Gideon would get up and walk in it. God has a predetermined plan for every person, you and me. If we'll walk in it, you do have a choice. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, I say it many times, is Luke 7.30. Luke 7.30 says the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized in the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. They wouldn't repent and come into the flow of God's purposes for them. God took the time in eternity past to develop and plan a detailed purpose for each one of our lives, it has great meaning. But we have a choice if we'll step into it. The Pharisees and lawyers as a general group wouldn't do it. Why? Because of pride and fear. Those twin bondages that keep us living in lives of uh, uh, desperation, of bondage, apart from the kingdom of God. Pride can keep you living under a bridge, too proud to acknowledge the need for someone to teach you, to set you free and the deep hurts that have been inflicted in your life. Fear of failure can keep you in bondage, hiding in your room day after day, unwilling to go out and take the risk that you might be rejected, but on the other hand, you might make a friend. God has a plan for you, and if you step out in courage and start trying, God will come in and bring the blessing. It's a beautiful thing. Somebody say amen. Then Gideon said to him, verse 13, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying did not the lord bring us up from egypt but now the lord has abandoned us and give us given us into the hand of midian we're all kind of like that the reason this had happened is because they turned away from god and forgot obey to obey him so it wasn't god's fault it was the israelites fault jesus said to his listeners why do you call me lord lord and you won't do what i say there's nothing better than to get the revelation that if you start practicing his truth, the blessings will start flowing in your lives. We're all imperfect. We all miss it in many ways. But you get up, confess your faults, and get up again and say, Lord, I'm going to choose to walk in love today. I'm going to try to walk in your forgiveness and mercy. Come help me. And he will strengthen you. 
And the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And so Gideon got up and uh, he asked him to give him a sign. And if you look over at verse 21, uh, he prepares, Gideon prepares a sacrifice and a meal. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff, 621, that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock. And consumed the meat and unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Wow, that uh, you know got Gideon fired up, as any touch of the Lord will do. And uh, Gideon said to him, "Peace to you, do not fear." The Lord said to Gideon, "Peace to you, do not fear. You shall not die." That's God's promise. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. It was the first time Yahweh revealed himself as our Shalom. Now you need to realize Gideon then gets up and ultimately conquers the Midianites with the sword and great power. How can God be our peace? And yet Gideon was a destroyer, a mighty warrior for God. It's one of the mysteries of the faith. Uh, In God, he is our peace. In the world, we have trouble and challenges and Satan is out in the world and we are warriors for God, the weapons of our warfare in the new covenant aren't fleshly. They're not really, for the most part, physical swords, or there's a component of that. But it's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. The spirit of God is the gifts of the Holy Spirit by which we get the victory. But those gifts of the spirit, there's a great spiritual war happening over the United States right now, does have its manifestation in the physical, in the political uh, does God uh, want uh, an honest and good police force that stops criminality? Yes. Why? Well, because criminality oppresses people. And so they're not free to plant their crops and grow their food and prosper and be a blessing to other people. Instead, they hide like Gideon was hiding. The mm-hmm. devil's creating a lot of confusion about that right now and turning the police into the enemy. If you actually study Statistic, there are very, very few gun incidents among the police in America. I saw a study with the NYPD. They have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of encounters every year with citizens. And the number of shootings every year involving uh, an alleged perpetrator is fewer than 10. It's a minuscule number. They're, they're, the police do an amazing job. Okay, and so uh, you need to be careful. I'm a former federal prosecutor. Uh, The George Floyd thing looks terrible to me. If that's an accurate video, we'll find out if it's accurate or not. I don't know, but I don't have the whole context. I don't have the whole encounter. I don't know what happened. Um, You know, you need to be careful. The proverb says, wait till the other side comes and cross-examines before we burn our whole country down. And even with that, that incident in Minnesota, we have laws in place. I mediate some of these cases. Uh, you're allowed to bring a civil rights suit. There may be a criminal prosecution as it is in this situation. It's racist to say what happened in Minnesota is how all white people think or how all white police officers think or that's the way all police are. That's not true. Let's not believe that lie. Let's not act on that lie. Um, so Gideon said, the Lord is peace. Uh, and then look what God told him to do. Verse 24. Uh, then Gideon built an altar, named it the Lord is peace. Verse 25. Now in the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull, 
and a second bull seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God. And he did that, and then uh, with some, he did it in the middle of the night for fear of the population. And then the next day, the population came out, verse 30, and said, bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal. Do you know right now in New York and Washington, D.C., there's a traveling exhibit that is the altar of Baal that's being displayed in Washington, D.C., and New York. Uh, that would have been unthinkable to our forefathers. And what is Baal worship? What is Asher? Well, it's um, promoting and celebrating human sexuality at the cost of the lives of babies. It, it's shocking that we now have governors, elected governors, that are advocating permitting the killing of babies after they come out of the birth canal. That's abhorrent. It is veil worship, essentially. And uh, that's where we're at. Is God in favor of that? No, no, no. No. So can we know what God's will is in the current election crisis? His highest and best. Yes. Yeah, you can know that. Because we've had 70 million abortions and it's gone from bad to worse where they're talking about killing babies now. We know that's not what God wants. And you can't know the grace and mercy of God if you don't know the truth of God. So Satan wants to destroy God's truth so fewer and fewer people will get saved. Because they'll think, well, the Supreme Court said this is okay, so it's going to be okay. It won't be okay. We all must appear before the the judgment seat of God to give an account for the deeds we've done, whether good or bad. Everyone is going to have to be judged. And if we've been misled about what is truth, it's a frightening thing. And so uh, 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 Gideon's father stood up for him, and it's amazing how just standing up for the truth will break the yoke. And it happened here. And suddenly the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and he called together all who would follow him. And these people that wanted to kill him fell away. Um, listen, and then in chapter 7, Gideon had a huge throng of 22,000 people, but God said, that's too many, because you all will claim that as your own victory, he knew the pride of their hearts. And he said, instead, he winnowed him down to 300 men only, who were very fervent for the Lord. And he said, arise, and you go down with the 300 to the camp of Midian. The camp of Midian was thousands camped against Israel. And they had, they said it was like grasshoppers. They were just everywhere. And uh, Gideon had already gotten confirmation of the Lord for his will. He laid out a fleece twice. Uh, The Lord doesn't really advocate laying out a fleece necessarily. That can show a lack of faith. But I will say when God calls you to great things, it is wise to seek the Lord's confirmation. We can get ahead of God. And he does give us confirmation in amazing ways. And he's doing it in these days as we seek the Lord about how he wants us praying in these current crises we face. He's giving it, as I will share in just a minute. So he brought it down to 300 men. And he uh, knew that this is a tremendous trial of faith to go face a huge army with 300 men. But the Lord wanted to do something would demonstrate this is the Lord's doing. And the Lord's doing only. You know, I was not, and I, I got out of any interest in politics 20 years ago. The Lord had to deliver me out of that because before I was saved, I was really interested in all that. 
And, you know, I've never given to a presidential campaign. I've never put a sign in my yard. I'm just not that interested in politics. And uh, But the devil takes advantage of our grace. Uh, actually, our country is a very forgiving country, a very merciful country. Uh, Christians love to stay in that place of mercy and grace and kindness. And we would love it if we could just mm-hmm. always do that. But then the devil gets in there and takes advantage of it. Does he need us engaged in the political realm in these days? Yes. Did it matter whether Hitler came to power? Oh, oh it, it mattered terribly. Friends, I want you to go back and uh, research the capital of North Korea, Pyongyang. Pyongyang in 1900 was called the Jerusalem of the East. Pyongyang was experiencing great revival in the year 1906. Tremendous revival. There was a Methodist seminary there. Presbyterian ministry, and they were seeing multitudes come to the Lord. Today, Pyongyang is under mind control, information control, and there's a very small remnant, a severely persecuted church. Yes, the Lord works in any situation, but this is not God's highest and best. When the Lord returns, we know from Luke 18, he says, we'll even find faith on the earth. Because when you get down to the great tribulation, there'll be so few standing in the authority of the Lord. But we're not there yet. We have a large Christian remnant in this country who increasingly are getting the revelation of their authority. So I don't believe that this is the coming of the end, although it is uh, similar to it, some of the things that are happening. And so the Lord wants us to take up his authority. This remnant of 300 Gideonites did that. Look at verse 9 of chapter 7 of Judges. Now, the same night it came about that the Lord said to Gideon, he's getting ready to give him some encouragement. Arise, go down against the camp, for I've given it into your hands. But if you're afraid to go down, it's perfectly normal. The flesh gets afraid, especially 300 against thousands. Go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp. I would suggest to you that Pura is a type of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. Um, And you will hear what they say, and afterward your hands will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So Gideon went with Pura, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. So he went to the uh, outpost, right, and was sneaking up and listening in. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as numerous as the sand of the seashore. This was a huge army. And when Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. Now listen to this. He said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling down the camp into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. The barley harvest was at um, Passover. And at verse 14, his friend replied, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. So these two Midianites, one has a dream and God gives the other the interpretation of the dream. This is a foreview of what the prophet Joel promises to do in the last days to pour out his spirit on all mankind. And he says, your sons and daughters, I'll prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and I'll pour out my spirit even on your bond slaves, both men and women, and you will all prophesy. 
When Gideon heard the account of this dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. And they went up. I won't read the rest of it. You can read it for yourselves. You know it. But they received a tremendous victory and defeated Midian and drove them out for a uh, generation or for the rest of Gideon's life. I wonder if God still does that. I was reading this passage as my devotional reading on Saturday. And just moments after reading it, I was turning to a psalm and a text popped up on my phone. And usually when that happens, when I'm in my devotion time, I don't uh, look at it. I wait till my devotion time's over. But I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to look at that. And I looked at it, and a friend had sent it. And what it was was a young lady in India whose mother has a prophetic ministry. And she had had three dreams, one in October and two in November, about the U.S. election. This is a young lady, and she said she's not interested in politics. And especially American politics, she doesn't care about that one way or the other. But these three dreams were indicating there was a there was a uh, book in the dream, and when she opened it, it's a leader's book. Uh, the name Donald J. Trump was written in the book, and if you hear the three dreams, it was clearly indicating to this lady that Trump was uh, to win this uh, 2020 election and be the next president of the United States. And uh, she got on the YouTube and shared that and urged the church worldwide to pray. My own daughter, Nancy, on election night, she's a college kid. She doesn't care anything about politics at all. She had two dreams. One, Donald Trump won by a landslide. And on the other one, he won by a narrow margin. Isn't that interesting? And then just a few days ago, she had another dream where uh, Joseph Biden was way, way ahead of Donald Trump. We were all watching TV. The rest of the family went outside. She was looking at her phone. And then suddenly Trump started climbing. And she came out and said, hey, Trump's gaining on Biden. And we refused to believe it. And uh, she went back in and watched. And then Trump passed Biden. And uh, she came back and told us. And suddenly we started believing that the dream was over. And her sense was, that uh, that's the time we're in right now. No one can believe, uh, Is it, did this really happen? Did we have computer systems switch votes? Did we have hundreds of thousands of fraudulent mail-in votes? But remember, I had just finished reading about the dream that encouraged Gideon. Literally, had just finished it. When what pops on my phone is a dream a young lady in India a Christian had had and decided to share, which was totally consistent with my own daughter's dreams. And by the way, was a dream I myself have had and many, many others. Friends, God's doing a new work in these days. We've never, you know, people say, well, what the nation needs is a common enemy. We already have a common enemy. It's the devil. We don't need another common enemy. He's trying to destroy us, and there's absolutely nothing wrong. I'm a former federal prosecutor. I prosecuted government fraud. There's absolutely nothing wrong with insisting on a truthful election, because if we don't have honest and fair elections, we don't have anything. You can shred the Constitution. And I will tell you, there are statisticians that are way smarter than me that are saying there's something really, really wrong with these numbers. There are things that statistically can't happen that happen. And there are things like mail-in ballots that don't have any creases 
and they have hundreds, you know, 100,000 votes that are just for Joe Biden, but they didn't vote anything on the down ballot. In other words, they didn't vote for the governor of their state. They didn't vote for senators. They didn't vote for the dog catcher. All they did was vote for Joe Biden and didn't fold it to mail it, but it's a mail-in ballot. Listen, I don't have to be stupid and also be a Christian. You know, uh, we are allowed, and in fact, the Lord says it's very displeasing for him for a righteous man to give way before the wicked. It's very displeasing. The proverb says, like a trampled spring and a polluted well, so is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. So what's happening here as I close this message this morning? I'm involved in a prayer call with an Indian man who, uh, you know, was trained under David Wilkerson up at Times Square Church. This fellow now lives in South Alabama. And four years ago, he was totally against Trump. Uh, didn't like his lifestyle and all the rest of it. And one day the Lord, he had voted for someone else in the primaries. The Lord said to him, am I not allowed to use the woman at the well if I want to? And he was convicted of that. The woman at the well was a very immoral person. He saved a whole village with her. The Gadarene demoniac was totally crazed. And God used him to save the Decapolis, 10 cities. Is he not allowed to use Donald Trump? King David did just as worse than Donald Trump ever did. Can't you hear it? And so my friend was convicted, and he decided to start a prayer meeting four years ago that started with two or three people. Today, uh, after this election crisis came up, this man's prayer meeting is meeting every night. It goes for four hours, and people call in and pray for three to five minutes from all over the world. This fellow in South Alabama and this Little Room is leading this prayer meeting, and the body of Christ is rising up. There are people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. There's converted Jews. A converted Jew from Russia is on the call. A converted Muslim from India is on the call. An African-American man who lives in Turkey gets up at 3.30 a.m. to be part of the prayer call, and they're all praying for the USA. Why? Because they know. They know if the USA goes down, we're all going down. And it will usher in an era none of us want to see that will inevitably come. But I believe we've been called to this fight because the time is not yet. And God is working a unity in his body that we've never seen before, a unified purpose that we've never seen before. And uh, is there any new covenant example of this? Well, to close. In the book of Acts, uh, you know, uh, 27th chapter, Paul was caught in a hurricane, a typhoon that went on for three weeks. They're in this boat, and they thought they were all perishing. They were fasting of necessity and praying, and the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Paul, you will be rescued. You must preach, preach in Rome, and everyone on this boat will be saved with you. He had that vision. He shared that vision with them, but he also told the men on the ship that they had to do their duty. Everyone had to get to their post. Verse 31 of Acts 27, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. And so we all have a calling and purpose here. I thank God that he's raising up lawyers to fight the legal battle. Uh, he's raised, this is a mighty revival of prayer intercession like we've never seen in our days. This has nothing to do with politics. Donald Trump's not a politician. 
The man has lost about a billion dollars since he's been president. You need to know that. He doesn't take a salary and lost about a billion dollars. He's has all sorts of faults just like you and me. However, however, he is interceding for the nation. He's a leader raised up so that we can be free to continue to share the gospel on our streets, to gather and worship any way we want, to gather on Thanksgiving with our families any way we want without a politician telling us how and micromanaging our lives. Make no mistake about it. It doesn't matter how you voted. I don't care about that. But you need to be interceding these days, Christian, for God's truth to prevail in this election, whatever it is, that it would be unearthed. All falsehood would be unearthed and we would know the truth. That is the battle of these times. This is the only ministry going on right now. Uh, if we don't win this battle, there are no other battles to fight. So, Father, let's pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this encouraging word from Gideon, Lord. We thank you that you're still speaking to us in visions and dreams. We thank you that you're raising up your church to a new level. You've called us to this fight. We don't know how it all works out. You know. But we do pray, Lord, that your truth will prevail. There are suspicious things that we all see. We commit these to you, Jesus. You are the king. You are Lord of the United States of America. Lord Jesus, no one sits in the Oval Office without your permission. And so we, Lord, cry out. And say, your truth prevail over this election in these days that the gospel will continue to ring forth from this land, from sea to shining sea, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From the seed of Abraham and led them through the wilderness into the promised land. In boundless love and mercy, He gave His only.